Well, welcome to Easter 2020. Uh, this is a Easter that we're all going to remember for the rest of our lives. We'll probably be telling our children and our grandchildren about this Easter because it's the Easter where we had to isolate and separate, and yet somehow we were together, and the magic of the internet saved us all, and it's just just a weird, weird thing, but I'm so glad you tuned in today. I want to welcome those who usually go to our Richmond campus or our Missouri City campus or here at our West End campus. But I know many of you, hundreds and hundreds of you have been joining us online over these last few weeks, and now you're with us on Easter, but you've never been to any of our campuses. And I just want to say, well, you're part of our online campus, and I want to say welcome. I'm glad that you're here. Please fill out that welcome card and let us know that you're here. I especially want to welcome my mom, who always watches online from Garrett County, Maryland. She is busy making masks for everybody that she can think of. She sent us masks. She sent our family masks. And now she's sending masks to nursing homes in different places. So mom, I hope you have a happy Easter. This is my new Easter jacket. I got it in December. I haven't been shopping. So mom, thank you for all you're doing. Well, this Easter is going to uh, kind of go down in history, but this period, this season in our life is really kind of a difficult one. And this week, our national leaders told us this phrase, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And we certainly have seen that sort of happen this week. It's, it's gotten worse and we're hoping it's getting better. Now, I don't know about you and I don't want to be a complainer, but I'm ready for this thing to turn around. I'm ready for the curve to flatten. I'm ready to go out again. I'm ready to go to my favorite restaurant. I know I'm a little spoiled, but I'm ready to go out. I need a haircut so bad. You can't imagine how much gel I have put on my hair so it doesn't stick straight up. My wife wants to go to the nail salon. I know this is crazy. And I, this isn't the season of life I'm in, but I know many of you have one thought. And that is, we've got to get rid of these kids. Homeschooling is for the birds. And you're trying to work at home and educate your kids at home. And it has been crazy. So I know we're all ready for it to get better. And yet we're hearing it's going to get worse before it gets better. Here's the thing I miss the most. I miss you. I miss congregating together. I miss our church being able to be. I miss hugging people. I miss greeting people. I I miss being with you. I'm an extrovert, so this is really difficult for me. So I can't wait till we can be together again. And um, I think this Easter it will be especially meaningful to all of us because Easter is all about hope. And we all need hope. We need some good news, don't we? We need this thing to turn around. I think that's why Easter is so important to us is because it's miraculous. So I wanna talk about Easter a little bit and how it can apply to our lives, especially during the season. Think about this. Jesus was crucified on a Friday and he died and all hope was lost. All those people had been following for a long time all their hope was lost because just a few days earlier, Jesus had come into Jerusalem. And when he came into Jerusalem, everybody was saying, God, save us, save us. And they thought that Jesus was going to be a political savior or a military savior and overrule the Roman government and all their difficult life circumstances were going to be taken care of. But when Jesus died on that cross on that Friday, all hope was lost. This is really the story of a people who were confused and they were mourning and they were sad and they were isolated and they were targeted. So now we understand the story of the resurrection uh, from 2000 years in distance, but 
Think about the people in real time on that day, on that Friday, when they saw their friend die and they saw him taken off a cross and put into a tomb. It was completely different for those in the first century. Even after Jesus died, it had to get worse before it got better. How could it possibly have gotten worse? Well, John tells us the story. John chapter 20, verse one and two in the NIV version says this. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene, who went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance, she, uh, so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said this, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. So Mary goes down, and this was an important part of Mary's tradition. Mary was going to go down and embalm the body properly. On Friday, when Jesus, was, uh, when Jesus died and they put him in the tomb, they didn't have time to really embalm his body properly. And according to Jewish tradition and law, they wanted to do this right. So Mary Magdalene goes down to the tomb to try to figure out how to embalm Jesus's body properly. When she got there, the tomb, the stone that covered the tomb was rolled away and there was no body and she freaked out. She, she, she really freaked out. Now, uh, she panicked. She, she, couldn't, she, she goes back and tells Simon Peter and John. She says, listen, you're not going to believe this. Not only did our friend die, but now somebody has stolen his body. And now we know, right? We know that it wasn't the case of the body snatchers. We know that this was about the resurrection, but they didn't know that. And so I want, I want you to connect with this idea that they were living in this linear path, living one moment after the next, and all they knew was this, that Jesus was dead and their hopes for this positive future was gone. And the next piece of information they had was this, that, that the body of their friend was now missing and it was gone. And they began to draw conclusions about their situation and about their circumstances. Now, the conclusions that they drew were not true, but because they believed that they were true, they began to get very sad and very anxious. Now think about our situation. We are living in a very linear timeline. That's all we can do, one moment after the next. And you and I right now are drawing conclusions about our present situation and about our future. And because of that, we have an emotion attached to those conclusions. By the way, we're not very good at predicting the future. And so what we understand here is that the conclusions they drew created anxiety. And some of the conclusions I'm drawing about my future and my life, well, they create sadness and anxiety as well. And here's what we see in Mary. We, we know this, John recorded the emotion of the moment in, in verse 11. It says, now Mary stood outside the tomb and she was crying. And as she wept, she, she bent over to look into the tomb. So, so there's this great, I mean, great emotion. You, you could just kind of see that Mary's trying to get her head around what's happening here. Now, what happens to all of us when we're living moment after moment and we're drawing conclusions about the next moment is we have an emotion attached to that. But here's what we don't do. We don't usually... Uh, look into our future and consider the unexpected things that could happen or the unpredictable things that might happen or the miraculous things that might happen. We 
often just factor in the natural things, the sort of the next thing. But Easter is about the unexpected. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is about the unpredictable. Nobody predicted this except Jesus himself. And it's about the miraculous, which is the supernatural, that God works in supernatural ways. We most we don't often factor in the un, unexpected, unpredictable, and miraculous into our story. And that's why we have so many negative emotions. So there was Mary near the tomb crying because she couldn't figure out what was going on and something incredible happened. Jesus showed up. The resurrected Jesus showed up. And she didn't recognize uh, Jesus at all. And you can't blame her because she thought Jesus was dead. So even though there's a guy there that looked like Jesus, he can't be Jesus because Jesus is dead. But uh, Jesus did something amazing. In the middle of her grief, Jesus called her by name. And when he did, her whole emotion, her whole countenance changed. Let me read it to you. It says this, Jesus said to Mary, Mary, called her by name. And you know when somebody that you know real well calls you by name, it's a certain inflection or certain tone and you recognize that person's voice right away, whether it's your child or your spouse or your mom or your dad or an uncle. As soon as they say your name, the way they say it, you recognize who it is. I suppose, I suppose that's what happened here. That Mary... Uh, heard her name called by Jesus and she immediately knew that it was Jesus. And so here's the change that happened in Mary's countenance. She turned toward him and she cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and my father to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. And here's what she told them. I have seen the Lord. I've seen him. And she told them that he had said these things to her. She told the whole story. She says, you're not gonna believe this. And she went back to Simon, Peter, and John, and maybe some of the other disciples. She said, you're not gonna believe this. I've seen the Lord. He's alive. He's risen. Nobody's stolen his body. He's risen from the grave. And her whole countenance changed. Her whole mood changed. Her whole emotions changed. Her anxiety dissipated. Now, it's ironic though, because first of all, Jesus would never be the political or military savior that she was hoping for. Her circumstances didn't get better. In fact, for many of the believers, for all the believers in that first century, their life circumstances got a lot worse. But Jesus was alive and a new reality, a bigger story began to emerge. I love the detail that John gives us when Jesus says, don't hold on to me or don't cling to me, Mary. And I get this picture that Mary was so excited that Jesus wasn't dead and nobody had stolen his body, but he had risen from the dead and he was alive, that she came and she clung to his feet. She held on to him and he says, don't hold on to me. I've got some things to do here, but instead go tell the disciples that I've risen. So what is the good news that we could all use today? I know all of our circumstances are difficult and um, everybody's dealing with this isolation and quarantine and this disease differently. 
But here's some good news that all of us can benefit from that Easter points us to. Because Jesus rose from the dead, here's the first thing. Jesus is alive. Today in our homes or wherever we're experiencing this message, we're not worshiping some religious dead religious folk hero. We're not acknowledging some historical event that happened 2,000 years ago. The reason we can have joy in the midst of difficulty is because Jesus is alive, that he rose from the dead. He's not just another teacher. He's not just another religious leader. He's not a moral leader. He was a savior and he rose from the dead. He died on the cross, a real death, and he was buried and he rose again. And so here's what that means. You can know your creator. You can know the one who created you. The thing that has kept you from knowing God, the father, is the sin in your life the sin in my life. And one day, if you'll just come to the place where you realize, no, Jesus paid the price and the consequences for all your transgressions, past, present, and future. Then all of a sudden you can know him not based upon your good works or you being religious or you acknowledging certain religious things or you doing good things. It's not a merit demerit system. It's a grace system. It's the system that Jesus paid it all, that when he died on that cross, that was for you. And what you need to do is just receive that as a gift into your life so you can know your creator. The other good news that comes out of Easter is the fact that you can trust him. You can depend on him. He came out of the tomb. He's alive. He's with you. And he promises that he'll never leave us or forsake us. There's so many promises about the fact that he's gonna stick to us closer than a brother, that he loves us, he cares for us. God so loved the world that he gave us his son so we can trust him. Whatever circumstance that you're going through, whatever difficulty that you face or whatever the thing is that you fear, you can cast those cares upon Jesus. He's alive, he's with you and he listens to you and you can depend on him. Now, I think the best news of all about Easter is this next thing, and that is this. This world, this world is not the whole story. We tend to sort of have a vision for the years that we live on earth, and we have a plan for those years, and we even have a prescription as to what's going to create a happy, good, meaningful life. And a lot of good things are involved with that, but we forget the idea that God is eternal, And the life that he's given us is eternal. And because of that, this world isn't the complete and total story. That's why we can have joy in the midst of difficulty because this isn't the whole story. These years aren't the only years that when this body passes away and this life is over, there's an eternal life that goes on forever and ever. You know what that means? It means that you can follow him. You can follow him in this earth, on this t- at this time, and you can also follow him forever. You can have an eternal relationship with him. Now, all that good news is hard to remember. When you're having a trouble, if you're anything like me, we sort of get very focused or obsessed upon our trouble. And what we want God to do is change our circumstances. And sometimes it feels like he's slow to do that. And so we often forget that God is trustworthy and that God's with us one of the things I've been doing is 
I've been looking through all my digital photos. I don't know how I got this started, but I have thousands and thousands of digital photos in my computer and on my phone, and I've been looking at, and as I look through and scroll through years, a decade of family photos, of travel photos, of friends, I, 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 there's just something that began to happen in me that even though I was uh, sad or isolated or felt alone, I started looking at those photos, and I was very encouraged because I, I remembered. I remembered that God had given me a good life. And I remember the fact that God's given me good friends. I started texting some of those old photos to my friends going, do you remember this? And I, and I remembered my, uh, uh, my family and I, I've, I looked at all the photos of me and Lisa and I just kind of was so grateful for my wife. And then I found this photo. We took it uh, recently last uh, Thanksgiving uh, right here at the West End campus. This is a photo of my family. And I ran across this photo and it just put a smile on my face. I thought, God, you have blessed me so much with a great family. And even though my circumstances aren't great right now, I, I am so grateful for the family you've given me. Now, don't be confused. We're not near as happy as we look in this photo. We have our family fights and it's not picture perfect. This was a moment where the photographer said smile and we did, but it does capture for me this idea that our family is, uh, we love each other and that we, we love being together. And I miss my daughter so much. She lives in New York now, so I don't get to see her. And I just, God began to turn my despair and my sadness into joy, even though my circumstances hadn't really changed. We, we have to find our hope, not in our circumstances, folks, but in the fact that we have a relationship with a loving God who cares about us and we tend to forget. There's an episode in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel that the uh, children of Israel had walked away from God and God sent a guy named Samuel to kind of bring them back. And they did. They came back to God and they had this relationship with God that was important. And they faced this great uh, foe in the Philistines and they were about to go out to battle. And when they were going out to battle, they, they knew that they needed God's help and God helped them and they won the battle. They beat the Philistines, but they didn't want to forget. So what they did is they took a rock and when they took that rock, they marked on that rock so that they would not forget and they called that rock an Ebenezer, an Ebenezer. And an Ebenezer literally means the Lord has helped us. And I think they did that because they knew that there'd be more battles and more difficulty and more circumstances. And they did not want to forget that in this moment, at this time, the Lord had helped them. So here's what I want us to do this week. This is your family project, or if, if you live by yourself, you're single, this is your project. You need to do this. Go get a rock. Here's my rock. And um, on one side, you could put the date, or you could put COVID-19 2020. And uh, mark this season, because you're going to forget. And then on the other side of the rock, what I want you to do is place what you're going through or how God has helped you. Maybe you're not there yet. Maybe God hasn't helped you yet. So put what you're going through, how difficult this is, what you're dealing with. Maybe it's a depression or a sadness or an addiction, or maybe it's a marriage trouble or your kids are giving you trouble, whatever it is, financial, your job. Maybe it's your health. I don't, I don't know, but this is where you need God to help you. And you're gonna mark that down. Maybe it's a Bible verse. Maybe it's a prayer. Maybe it's a plea. I don't know what it is. But mark this down because this too shall pass, this virus, and God will have done something great 
and we will forget it. And you're gonna put that rock somewhere in your house where your family or you can look at it and you can remember God did help us. God helped us a lot. This Easter is about the unexpected, the unpredictable, the miraculous, all of which we need. I don't know how this COVID story ends for you or what happens next or how our economy in Houston area rebounds, but I know this, that God's gonna do something unexpected. He's gonna do something that we could never predict. He's gonna do something that's not bound by nature. He's gonna work in a miraculous way. Here's the big declaration that Jesus made one day to a lady named Martha, who was going through a very difficult time. And she, and here's what Jesus said to her. And John, <clears throat> Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me, well, he shall never die. Jesus was always talking to the eternal idea of life. And he was saying, I'm the resurrection. I'm the life you're looking for. I know you'd want better circumstances, but I'm telling you, I'm the resurrection and life. Now, we don't believe that Jesus just rose from the dead because the Bible tells us so, but the world changed at the resurrection. Christianity started. People gave their life because they saw Jesus and they believed in Jesus and they understood that he was the son of God and he died on the cross as a payment for their sins and they gave their life for it. They believed it. The entire world changed because of the resurrection, because of Easter. Time was split in half into a time before Jesus and in a time after the resurrection. So when Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He, does, he then asked this question. And I think this is your question as we close today. And here's the question he asked Martha. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? This is the question for you. Do you believe this? I would hate for this Easter to come and go and you experience this message and just feel encouraged about your life circumstances. I, I wanna challenge you on this Easter to deal with what you believe about Jesus Christ. I want you to come to a humble place in your life where you recognize your need for a savior. This isn't about Jesus dying for the sins of the world. This isn't about some historical Jesus. This is about you. This is about the fact that you need forgiveness and you need a savior. This is a time that will really encourage you if you'll just come to a humble place. If you've never done this especially, just come and say, God, I need forgiveness. And today on this Easter, I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins and that he was buried and that he arose. And I wanna follow you. That humble confession isn't a promise to be good or join a church or, or do anything. It's just an admission that your soul needs a savior. And God is offering this to you as a gift. And all you have to do is accept it. When Jesus asked Martha, do you believe this? Here's what she said in return. She said, she said, uh, she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe. And here's what she believed, that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of God, meaning God in the flesh, who is to come into the world.
What's your confession on this Easter? I don't want God to just change my circumstances and improve my life. I want God to be real to me in this time. I want to grow in my faith. I want Easter to mean that Jesus is alive and he's real to me. And he's real to me in a way that my faith will grow. And I don't need all my circumstances to be perfect, to be happy. But I do need God. So let's pray together and continue to celebrate the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you for being alive. Today, we don't acknowledge the fact that something happened 2,000 years ago that we should pay homage to, but today we recognize you as living, that you rose from the dead, that you came out of that tomb, and you're in our lives today. And if you're listening to me right now and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, just do that. This is between you and God. Just say, God, forgive me. I believe that Jesus died for me in all my transgressions and that he was buried and he rose again. And I'm placing my faith for my soul in your hands. And I'm asking you to forgive me. I too believe that you are the Messiah, the Christ. Father, thank you for Easter. Thank you for our church. Thank you for the technology that allows us to be together even in this weird way. And I pray that, God, you would continue to grow our faith, that you would give us perseverance, that you would give us joy in the midst of difficulty because you live. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you and happy Easter. If you prayed with me to believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'd love to hear from you. My email address is at the bottom of the screen. It's patrick at rpc.me. It's the easiest one I've got. So, email me and just say, I believed today. And I'll send you a note back. I promise I'm not going to publish your name. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'd like to know that God's at work in your life. And if you would share that with me, that would be great. Well, happy Easter, everybody. God bless you.